podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. When I spit bars in a ring, when I go hard, last and tan. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to levelling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the programme is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. When I spit bars in a ring, They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Possibly bleak as this. Fanslide is a totally new concept. It's the world's first live in play fantasy football game. It allows you to play against your mates and combine in play betting, fantasy, and strategy. Use your gut instinct about how a game will unfold. And it is free to play. And there's prize money on selected games. So come and play with us for the City and Chelsea game. So download it from the App Store and then search for us using our Twitter or Discord names. And we'll see you there. Hello. Welcome to Chelsea Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. I think it's been quite a while since I've hosted one of these. I've been crazy busy and uh, the boys have been holding down the fort really, really, really well, to be honest. Um, But yeah, glad to be back on the final pod of the year. Um, I've got a Mr. Joe Tweeds. How you been, bro? Yeah, good, man. Same as you. Very, very busy over Christmas period. But uh, yeah, glad to be on the last one for uh, for 2020. Nice, nice, nice. Glad to have you back. Babs, what are you saying, bro? Not doing too badly, me. It's good to have you back on. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Mr. Timson. How you good? doing, me? It's always a pleasure to be on. 
Good, good, good. Oh, we've got a lot to cover. As you guys know, Chelsea and pretty much every other team have been playing like, pretty much back-to-back. Um, we had two games in 48 hours. Um, first game against Arsenal away. Oh, man. Boys, where do we start? Because that game was... Oh, man. Firstly, I actually want to touch on the lineup because I, th- I think a lot of people saw the lineup. I thought, oh, you know what? That's actually not too bad. Reese James was carrying an injury um, from the last game. I think apparently had a, a knee problem, which was very much touch and go, where he missed, um, I believe he missed, was it the, the game prior? I think it was uh, the West Ham game. Well, yeah, so he missed uh, the West Ham game prior and we were just going to manage the injury because apparently he might actually require surgery if it gets any worse. So everyone was quite surprised to see um, Reese James in that game. And, and equally, um, Ben Chilwell, who twisted his ankle um, in the prior game. So it's um, it's been a bit of a weird one, really and truly. Um, but thoughts on the team, you guys? Because I know a lot of people said, yeah, they're fine, they're happy with it. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think? And what were you guys' expectations when, I guess, going into that game? Um, we'll start with tweets. Um, I think this year the, the only thing positive thing that I've taken from 2020 is that I can like forget things very quickly this this to me was was one of the worst performances I've seen from us for a very long time now I think I'm, I'm probably the oldest one on the pod and this is by far like the worst Arsenal team that I've ever seen Chelsea play against and we made them look like the invincibles for the majority of the game in terms of like the setup for the team I don't know. I just think that, that both Chilwell and James, to me, were were clearly unfit. We were certainly rushed back for this game. Um, I think Kovacic, Kante, Mount was wasn't a great performance in terms of the over midfield. And I'm not a big fan of Pulisic and Werner as, as starting wingers. You know, they're too too similar um, in in terms of what they're trying to do. And I, I think Tammy did okay, um, but really, I think both Pulisic and Werner for me were not particularly. Um, the, the guys that I would have I've used sort of in this in this kind of system to, to try and break down this this Arsenal team. Um, but yeah, I, I I wasn't massively happy with with uh, with Kova starting, um, and I, I still have huge reservations about when Werner, particularly when Pulisic plays on the right hand side. Uh, I think he's a, he's a massively different player to, to when he plays on the left hand side, and even then he hasn't been playing particularly well um, this season. So it was a little bit of a, a kind of suspect front three for me. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, with with the fullback situation, I think both of them probably, um, given the the injuries they took, I think they probably were, were were certainly not fit for me. So, I wasn't overly, overly kind of excited with the with the lineup. Probably, you know, you could look at it on paper and say there's there's probably still enough there to to beat this Arsenal team. But it was very apparent for me, first 10, 15 minutes in 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 the game, both that the, the team looked absolutely shattered, and that the sort of level of intensity and the the performance levels just weren't there. So, yeah, not a not a hugely uh, positive, I think, from from the start. But again, that that for me, I think, is is a, a kind of product of rushing back. Certainly, James and, and Chilwell, I felt were, were rushed back from knocks and, and injuries that they had. And yeah. uh, that front three, I'm I'm never keen really seeing Pudisic play from the right. And I think we're we're starting to see that Timo Werner is absolutely not a uh, not a left winger in in any system at all. I think it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot, lots of words were said in regards to Mason Mount and N'Golo Kante not looking the sharpest. And I think there's some credence to that. Um, Babs, uh, how were you expecting, well, how are you expecting us to approach the game? Did you actually enjoy our approach? Um, and, and what did you see were the real big 
downfalls in our game? Because I think there were quite a few issues um, from me, from my perspective anyway. Um, but what, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, I think going into the game, I was expecting a performance from the United game. And that was an approach I wasn't a big fan of in terms of being um, quite pragmatic. But the only difference, the key difference was that Arsenal weren't willing to let us do that and um, let, allowing us to sit back. They were straight onto us. Like from early on, Martinelli was pressing us. And like we had no, we had literally no answers to it. It was quite um, poor. Not even just that, but our poor, our ball retention out wide was terrible. Like there were moments where literally um, the ball would come into Werner and on his, upon his first touch, I, think, I remember there was like one moment where like he, he took his first touch and he went all the way to the corner flag. And like from there, you knew like this was just one of those games where things were not going to work for us in, in the wings. And to reminisce on some, if you, if you look to like last season, our game against Arsenal was quite similar to this in the start, the first 30 minutes. But the key difference was um, Lampard was quick. Like he was very, very quick to make that substitution. He brought on Jorginho around the 30th minute. And I feel like that was a smart idea to um, gain, regain um, control of the game. But yeah, with this game, I feel like having um, only one winger was poor because you could see that neither of them were tracking back to cover Reese James and Ben Chilwell. And it kind of it left them very, very isolated. Because Arsenal, as we know, like from the FA Cup final, they were always going to overload us from our left-hand side. And the last victim of that was Azpilicueta. And the victim of that this game was Rhys James, you know. It was so interesting to see. It was so interesting to see how from the first minute, um, you just saw that was going to happen. You saw mm. that Timo Werner. And it's something that I've kind of picked up on for quite some time in terms of Pulisic's and um, Werner's work rate. Um, I think the ideology that, because they run around, um, that that means that's defensive support when in actuality they are very much the type of players to leave their fullbacks alone at well isolated and i'm not saying that they should do it consistently i'm not saying that they should be um you know um running back all the time but if you can see your opponent is double teaming your your teammate then surely you should be running back. So it's definitely something that I, I clocked on pretty much straight away. Um but then you could also argue that the midfield weren't tucking in to support um, either Chilwell or Rhys James. So ultimately, structurally, it kind of seemed like a a, a really failed um, tactical setup. And considering that um, Arteta has had the better of Lampard a couple of times now, I, I want I'm going to include the two-two draw at Stamford Bridge, considering they were down to ten men. Um, it does seem quite poor um, on on Frank's part, um, Timpson. Oh, I know, I, I know, I know. You've been bothered by just the way we've been set up for quite some time. But um, how did you think that first half um, could have been remedied more than anything else? I think uh, more than anything, Lampard shouting at Pulisic and Werner to not leave their fullbacks hanging um, and actually get back. Twenty-three seconds in, and. Um, Bellerin is bombing past bombing past Werner while Werner is just kind of standing there uh, with the proverbial hands on hips, leaving Ben Chilwell, who's obviously been rushed back uh, from an injury, just like Reese James with um, a two-on-one situation. And that just did not stop um, until Werner came off in the, in, at half-time. So um, we were left... The tactical setup, um, you can say uh, Kovacic probably could have helped um, Reese James a bit more by um, by pushing out when we did have those two-on-one scenarios. But my question is, um, 
my, the biggest fault for me lies with the wingers who um, they weren't providing a lot going forward. So, and defensively, there were liabilities. And Frank Lampard should have spotted that and made a change much sooner, in my opinion. Whether it would, it's whether it, whether it be just telling the wingers to make sure they got back or right. actually making a substitution. Right. So, so for me, I know a lot of people listen here that I think, wait, hold on, make a sub in the first half, and I mean. Then I'm pretty sure it happened last last season where Lampard made yeah. a sub in the front. Georgina Emerson, yeah. And we um we gained control pretty quickly. I mean, look, I'm not saying that you should follow a carbon copy of what he did last season, but it was quite evident that one, we lacked control and composure in the middle of the park, and two, our full our fullbacks were overly exposed. And that's not to say again that a substitution needed to be made. But like Timson said, I completely agree. He should have actually been proactive in telling Timo Werner and telling Christian Pulisic to get back. I feel like maybe Frank Lampard takes too much of a backseat approach um, and actually doesn't really, I, I don't really hear him much. Like, you know, other managers are barking orders. Do you know what I mean? Like throughout a game. I think Frank Lampard kind of takes a backseat and almost expects players to to just handle it themselves. And I think that's something that he's kind of said a number of times. Um, and I think that's all well and good when it comes to like the offensive phase. But defensively, if you feel like people are slacking off, you should be on their necks. I, I don't understand it. So I was seeing Pulisic like not even running back, like like steadily pacing back. Timo Werner not even running back. He was just chilling. It was just poor. It was an absolute shambles. And when you look at Reese James, who did get rushed back from injury, um, I just feel like if he just had a little bit of support, he would have fared a lot better. And that's not to say he was poor. I thought Reese James was relatively decent. But if you just look at the overall performance and the balance of the side, it was really, really terrible. And I, obviously the goals came. So you had the the, the, the penalty um, which was never a penalty. The refereeing performance that game was really shocking. Um, I, I don't really know much else, what else to say, really, but it was just poor. It was never a penalty. I don't understand why VAR didn't check it again, but these kind of things seem to happen to us quite often. But it is what it is. I think the goal was re- pretty much deserved because Arsenal were on the front foot from the from the get-go um, and we couldn't really handle them. Um, so uh, as much as a penalty was never a penalty... I'm going to say, all right, fair enough. It's was, it was 1-0. I think we, we, we deserve to be behind because um, Martinelli missed a, a, an open chance pretty much from the first minute. Again, from Timo Werner allowing Bellerin to run in behind him and the cross comes in. Um, so it, it, it just really was poor. It really, really was poor. That first half was, was really poor. Um, so the penalty goes in and then a, a, a free kick. Uh, fan, again, a fantastic goal. I, I don't really know much else I think Menley got a hand to it um, the wall was probably back 15 yards but again they're well they're well they're well deserving of their lead to be perfectly honest so it's hard to really find complaints I know we can blame the referee for some of the stuff he did but I, I find it difficult to to really fault that because I don't think it was pretty much enough in performance from us um, going forward there was nothing really there I think Pulisic had about 14 touches if that um, in the first half and when he got it he was just doing nothing really dribbling into people it's just it was just all quite really really poor um, and then the, the second half comes and um, Frank Lampard makes a couple of changes he brings on Callum Hudson-Odoi for a porous Timo Werner 
who who he was absolutely dire. And I don't blame him per se. I, I mean, I expect a bit more technical quality from him, obviously from a fifty million pound player. But at the same time, I know Timo Werner's not a winger. I've always said it. I've always been bothersome. I've always been bothered by him playing there. Always, even when we were winning the games, even when he was scoring goals. I was bothered. I think even on the podcast, I've said it a number of times, you guys are pretty much aware of my stance on Timo Werner on the left. Yeah, Lampard's persisted. Uh, you know, I, it's just a bit of a weird one. His, his performance was shocking, but again, I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised really. He, he's been poor for, for quite some time and he's just not a winger. Ultimately, he's not a winger. And um, yeah, we brought on Callum Hudson-Odoi and we brought on Jorginho to bring in a, a little bit more control in the game. I thought it was quite... Um, you know what? It's it's what we expect. Lampard leaves Mason Mount on the pitch. Um, I, I thought, honestly, Mason Mount could have come off um, because I didn't think he was doing anywhere near enough that game. I, I thought Kovacic was at least doing okay um, in, in covering Reese James on that side. But I just, I just felt Mason Mount was just wasn't really at the races at, at all that game. Um, but yeah, Kovacic came off for Jorginho and it restored a little bit of control. But by then, ultimately, it's 2-0. They're relatively comfortable. They can sit on that result. So we had the impetus and I guess um, we had the responsibility of um, bringing the game to them. When I spit bars in a ring, I'm going to go hard last and tan- The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. When I spit bars in a ring, I'm gonna go hard So Joe, um, Callum Hudson Odoi comes on. You know how Frank Lampard likes to put an infinite amount of pressure on him for him to take these so-called so-called opportunities. Um, but what what did you think of his performance? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, um, did you think the subs worked out well? Um, but yeah, what, what were your thoughts on his performance? I think probably, I mean, the most noteworthy sub was was Callum. I think he actually came on and and kind of I think gave the team the the sort of width and the kind of the the natural wide play that it just was completely lacking for that sort of first you know, two thirds of, of the game really. Um, I think probably he, he could make an argument he was probably the best player that we had, certainly when he came on. Um, I think he, he, he performed well. I mean, yeah, we know that Lampard loves to talk about him getting to the byline and putting in crosses, and, you know, he did that, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just one of those games where you look at, obviously, in hindsight, and just think that certainly the way that, uh, the way that Arsenal attacked, particularly down that left-hand side, that someone who maybe is a little bit more of a natural winger can, can play with width, can play as more of a a natural right-hand side of player would have had a lot more joy, um, you know, down down their left-hand side, down our right-hand side to sort of counterbalance that in terms of how they were attacking. So, yeah, I was I was surprised. That I, I kind of felt maybe that he would have come in a little bit earlier, certainly, um, you know, kind of as, as things were sort of slipping away from us. Um, 
With Jorginho sub, yeah, I mean, I could see the argument. I think both Mason Mount and Kante looked for me looked absolutely knackered in the game. Um, certainly, you know, coming into the second half, Kante, you know, he's he's a shadow of the player that we saw kind of earlier in the season who looked like, you know, someone who could really go on and become a, a top um, holding player probably for the next couple of years of his career. He just looked absolutely exhausted. Uh, Havertz came on. I think he, he did okay. Um, probably, you know, for me, talk about it a bit, but it was a lot better in the Villa game. But uh, again, I, I wasn't uh, too surprised to see to see Timo Werner come off again. Just a, a incredibly kind of disappointing outy from him. And, you know, it, it, there will come a point where you just, you're just going to have to try him down the middle. Um, and I know that there is a, a kind of a stylistic preference from Lampard to play, or it feels like to play with a, with a target man, to play with a bigger centre forward. But, you know, you've just spent a pretty decent amount of money on a, a guy who, despite his his kind of erratic finishing, does score goals kind of with, you know, you know kind of being put in, put in those positions. So I think Werner is, is possibly going to have to be looked at as a centre forward sooner rather than later because the, the left wing project is, is, for me, just it's it's completely not working now. It's a bit weird for me, isn't it? It is a bit strange, I, yeah. I, I always thought, you know what, Timo Werner's a hitter. Like, and I know, and we've we watched him. I've, I've watched him for quite some time. Yeah. So I've yeah. always known that he's the type of guy that gets high volume of chances, but he, he, he can miss them. You know what I mean? He reminds me of the ilk of uh, a Mo Salah, where they'll score hatfuls of goals, but they're not super clinical. And that's okay. Because as long as you're getting the chances, it's not a problem. But I always said, him playing out wide, it will affect his confidence yeah. because he's so away from his his natural, I guess, comf- comfort zone. It will impact him. And I, I did have a feeling that once the goals stop coming, it will start to get a little bit messy. Not just Not just overall play, but just general play and his just overall comfort in the league mm. I, I always felt that he would it would be a bit problematic for him out wide so it, it's just a bit mad to me um babs when it comes to um to cal's little cameo i guess 45 minutes um i, I know you've been saying for quite some time that he's, he's better than a couple men that have been playing and been starting um but do you think Lampard's criticisms that well he might he might argue that's not criticism, but do you think Frank Lampard's words of advice are particularly helpful to Callum? Or or do you think you know he he he's really just he's really just making up a, a whole bag of excuses and hoops for this boy to jump through to play? Um I think it could be a mixed bag of things between those two, but we have to kind of wait and see in the future because if if going on to saying this in terms of he needs to increase his end product and he doesn't play him and give him the chance to do it, then, yeah, it's him, like, going on to Kyle, like, a bit un- unnecessarily. But if he allows him, you know, some game time going forward to play and actually um show these tendencies that he wants in terms of getting the back to get him goals or getting more crosses in, then, yeah, I don't think it's too bad of a thing. But then again, um, it comes as the argument, which Dan was making, that he, we know what type of winger he is, and it's not really a thing of changing him now. It's more of a thing of just allowing him to just progress and actually show his own characteristics and traits in the field because we but, saw but sorry to cut you mate but don't, don't you think don't you think that um it's a bit rich because if you look mm. at the actual data if you look at the performances Callum Hudson-Odoi generally beats his man when he takes them on he's probably the most creative after um hacking ZH um He's got assists and goals. I think he's got more goals than any other winger that we have in the, in the club. 
I, I think the production angle is a little bit rich to me. I, I don't really understand it because given the limited game time he has, he's probably been the most productive of the lot. So it's a bit mad to me. Um, but yeah, sorry about continue. You know, again, I I I, I totally I totally totally agree in terms of like he has been the most productive winger. If you look at um the goal goal and creating actions and the shot creating actions per ninety, he's literally topping those charts just behind Ziyech. And I feel like if we watch his game, I think in my opinion personally, I think he's our most um well-rounded winger. In the, in the terms of the fact that he can play both sides, he offers width, he offers creation, and I just don't think there's many weaknesses to his game. Yeah, so I, I do feel so. I do feel, yeah, he does need to be played, but I didn't think like this is like this is this is where we are at the moment with, with um Lampard in terms of um, his um preferences in terms of using Werner out wide. So I feel like for now, we're gonna have to wait and see until the end of the season, but yeah, it, it is a bit it is a bit worrying. It is a bit worrying, Tim. Um, again, we, we've, we've spoken at length about Frank Lampard's um decision making, we've spoken at length about, I guess, his um. I want to say tactical approach, um, but one thing that you could probably, one thing that you, I, I think that one thing that I could give credit to Lampard is his, his talent ID. But the biggest concern for me is his inability to utilize these said players um, in the correct manner. I feel like he oftentimes plays these players in the incorrect position or plays them where they're, just not comfortable um so w- with that being said do you think that Callum could pretty much force his way into contention now that it seems that the the Timo Werner project out wide is, is dead because I think uh, we'll touch on the Villa game but he came on up front um in, in the game against Villa so do you think that that potentially that project is, is pretty much done or what yeah I think you might see it a couple of more times, but for the most part, as a long-term thing, it's done. Um, I think a lot of Chelsea fans will say, um, yeah, Callum should be starting until Hakim Ziyech comes in. But I would argue, what more can he do to state a case? Uh, state a case for himself. Um, his out, he gives us the much-needed width on the right wing, and um, in regards to playing players out of position, like you said, um, Lampard basically started the game at Arsenal with two players out of position with Werner left wing when he wants to be more central and um, Pulisic, who's clearly better in on, on the left-hand side. Um, even if you look at stats from like a smarter scout, um, Callum's attacking output on the right-hand side is comparative to um, Christian Pulisic's on the left. And um, he's still... Um, and he's out of position as well. Um, you look at that and um, he talks and in the post-match comments in terms of he needs to be more direct. I think some of that comes down from Callum still kind of having a bit of um, mental uh, mental blockage in regards to beating his man because of his injuries. Um, and it wasn't not too long ago, the, the last international break that said he was still kind of, um, he was still recovering. So I think once he feels mentally strong enough that he's got that um, explosive burst of pace to um, get a yard from his man or two, you'll start seeing that. But it's hard to see that um, and to get to that point when he's 
getting these bit part minutes on the bench. And if he's talking about end product, Callum Hunter-Nadoy has come on on his not preferred side and he's got an assist. What does that say to a Timo Werner who's playing out wide and who's not scoring and who's looking very, very bad um, in terms of um, his overall link-up play outside of scoring? And then Christian Pulisic with one goal um, and zero assists in nine games this season. It's just cheeky. I find it incredibly cheeky, to be honest. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, no, this is a, this is chosy hour or whatever. But honestly, we've always been about meritocracy. We've said it from the very beginning. And we said it was non-existent. People used to argue with us and saying that, oh, Callum doesn't train hard enough. Then they found out that he's got his own PT to kind of work through his his physicality issues and his injury issues he's doing extra training extra work he came back from pre-season early I'm just trying to understand the the rationale and this is what I think it is the language used from Frank Lampard doesn't help the language used to suggest that he's not working hard enough in training doesn't help it painted a picture that Callum Hudson-Odoi one wasn't taking things seriously enough Two, wasn't particularly ready and had a, an attitude problem when ultimately that, that was far from the truth, far from the truth. And what, what's happened now is that people have started to realise that Frank Lampard was being slightly unfair and slightly dishonest in, in his assessment of Callum Hudson-Odoi. And ultimately what I see is Callum Hudson-Odoi isn't the player that Frank Lampard wants him to be. Frank Lampard wants him to be a Raheem Sterling because Callum has got super talent. But one thing that really annoys me is that Frank Lampard is completely disregarding the player he has right in front of him. Callum Hudson-Odoi is a supreme talent, a supreme creator, a fantastic creator. Um, He doesn't have to be a Raheem Sterling to be a top player. He doesn't have to be. But yet this obsession of trying to make this young player be what he isn't is is wild to me and it's almost like he does he doesn't really treat Callum fairly I think that's pretty safe to say he doesn't treat Callum fairly whatsoever I think he is pretty harsh on him more than anything else um because he 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 tasks him with things that pretty much no other no other player is tasked with he's asked him to score more goals well he scored more goals to Christian Pulisic this season he's asked him to to create more He's created more than pretty much anyone else apart from Ziyech this season. What do you want him to do? Especially given the time that he barely played. He's, play, he's barely played. I think he's played less minutes than um, Ziyech this season. And Ziyech has barely been fit. So I find it kind of weird. Like the, the hooping that he's having to, to jump through is, is quite yeah. crazy to me. But um, yeah, we we go and obviously Callum Hasadoy creates the assist for, for Tammy Abraham goal, um, you know, after a freak goal from Saka to make it 3-0. We pull one back. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a great, great bit of play from Callum. Um, great bit of dribbling, in fact, from um, Pulisic. And I think that probably, I think that might have been his only successful dribble of the game. Um, it, was, it was a fantastic bit of play from him, to be fair. Um, and yeah, Callum beats his man, funnily enough, beats his man and whips it in and gets Tammy um, the assist. So it's just, um, it's just a bit strange. That 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 game was so poor. I'd... I'd I just didn't feel like we were ever really in contention to win the game. Obviously, second half, we we had a lot. We put a lot of pressure on. 
Um, I think we got a penalty and he, I think and Jorginho missed it, which could have brought it to three two. But it's just I don't think we deserved anything from the game personally. It just it was just it was super frustrating. And really truly we should have won it. We should have actually if we if we I think if our manager had anything else about him, we could have done better. Um but ultimately we fell short. And that put a lot of pressure onto Frank Lampard. So we had another game against the high fly in Aston Villa at home this time. And um, what can I say? That game was um, another nasty one for me because um, I, I looked at the squad and obviously Frank Lampard put, again, more pressure on Callum Hudson-Odoi saying that, oh, he, he has to do this to, to start. He has to do that to start. But yeah, he started. He started the game. Um, and again, it, it, a lot of Chelsea fans must have been wondering why this kid hasn't been starting or playing games this season. Because uh, and again, he was the best player on the park. But um, yeah, what were your thoughts, Joe, on on, on the Villa game um, as a whole? Oh, oh. This this was a tough watch. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the the fascinating thing for me was uh, quite clearly, you know, obviously there there was an attempt at sort of rotation in terms of the the back four, you know, playing so quickly. And you know, I I don't think I could honestly hand on heart say that if Andreas Christensen never played another game for the club I wouldn't bat an eyelid you know I think his his reaction or his his kind of effort if you want to call it that in in air quotes for their equaliser was for a centre-back I mean I, I know it's you know the game has changed and you know centre-backs are slightly different kind of people these days but still you know when you've got JT on Instagram telling him that he maybe should have got up and carried on um, and sort of laying on the ground and letting them letting them equalise. I think that, that that's something that I can't really kind of stomach having someone like that play centre back for us. Um, it, it's bothersome because Christiansen has done this at least five times. Like, yeah. I, I, it's happened at least five times. And when is enough enough? Like I, I, I don't know. To be honest, mate, it's, it, it's, it's crazy me. that he's playing ahead of Tomori at this point. For me, it's unforgivable. It's unforgivable because I, I don't envision Tomori ever doing that. I don't. I don't. In fact, I don't envision any of our centre-backs bar Chris Jensen doing that. I think he's the softest centre-back probably I've ever seen. Yeah. Because he can't keep doing it. It's consistent. And ultimately, it consistently costs us. Yeah. Because when you're so defensively, um, when you're so, your, your, your setup is as such, where everyone's positioning is crucial, that goal comes as a result of a player being missing. But yeah. You, you can't expect... Like, you can't expect a player to mark two guys. And that's what happened. Grealish runs into the box unmarked. And then um, El, um, El Ghazi is behind, behind him. And it's a goal. I just, oh, it's so, it's so, it's so <laughs> poor. It's so, so poor. And I just, for the life of me, this is what I'm saying. When people talk about Tamori, oh, you know, he's not training hard enough. He's not serious. And just, what I, I, I challenge you. Just look at what he was said about Callum. Yeah. And Callum's gotten his opportunity by, by hook or by crook, if, if anything, and show him what he can do. Tomori against Liverpool, absolutely superb. Nothing wrong. Against Spurs, nothing wrong again. Suddenly, he's out of contention again. How was Chris Jensen in... I just don't understand how he's above him. I don't. It's puzzling. It's proper, proper puzzling. And then you look at the rest of the game. The subs, for me, were a bit peculiar. You know, you, you take off Giroud, who's just scored... 
uh, or scored, you know, scored the uh, the goal, was actually playing pretty decent. And this is one of those games where everyone's knackered. So all we're doing is just smashing crosses into the box. So then you bring on the, you know, what under six foot centre forward who hasn't scored for X amount of games instead of Giroud. Maybe bring on Tammy if you're going to continue putting crosses into the box. Um, I thought Havertz came on and did well. I think Havertz actually started to look a little bit more like the player we saw pre-COVID. Um, some nice sort of moments and things like that. But uh, again, in, in this period, I mean, I, I'm not sure why you're, why you're only using two subs, even if it's just to give someone a rest, you know, to bring someone off, to, to bring on some fresh legs. I'm not sure how how many more games Mountain Kante are going to play 90 minutes all the way through. You know what I mean? Give one of them a rest, give them the time to recuperate a little bit. But it just seemed a peculiar decision. Mason Mount, oh my God. He was dead by 45, like by the yeah. half time, he was finished. He was finished. He was absolutely finished. Like he, he looked absolutely shattered. Couldn't press well enough. Wasn't really moving with the ball or quick enough. I mean, his fight, I mean, like even before, before the goal, he looked quite poor. But then obviously that pass through the lines was fantastic to yeah. Giroud and to get the got to, to get the move started for the goal. He looks he really looked tired though so, at the moment. Really, really so tired. tired yeah. I don't understand. Like Frank has got this idea that oh, like he could he could run, he could play forever or whatever. No, mate, no. <laughs> Sometimes players need rest. You need to look at your players and look at what they're producing on the pitch and think, okay, you know what? Maybe he's flagging. Why do people like Mount get these? It's not even special treatment because you're killing him. Yeah. It's like we'll talk about him playing on the wing. You're playing him on the wing. You're killing him. I've said this before. Like, It bothers me. I don't really care about Mount getting preferential treatment, but don't kill him in the process. And that's what this guy's doing. It's, it's almost, it's so asinine that he's doing this. It's like he's negligent. I, I, and that's the one word that comes to mind when I think of Frank Lampard. Negligence. He doesn't actually, it's not like, it's like he's not looking at what is actually transpiring in front, in front of him. One thing, just, just to jump in on top of that, means one of the, one of the things that, that to, to throw on top of the whole negligence thing is, it's not like he's simplifying what he's asking Mount to do. He's still expecting him to be like, you know, the Duracell bunny all around the pitch, He's not. He's not looking at him, realizing actually maybe maybe let's let's kind of remove some instructions. Let's remove some of the attacking stuff he has to do. Or remove some of the defensive work. Or remove something. He's still expecting him to be, you know, Mason Mount, 100% fit, running like 15k a game. I don't quite get the connection between Lampard looking at players. I mean, we can all see physically that th- this team looks tired. It looked tired in the Arsenal game. It looked re- even even with rotation, it looked tired in the Villa game. But yet the, the instructions that he's giving the players. It's still like the, the full the full suite of, of things that he's asking him to do. He, he's not trying to simplify the game. He's not trying to give them rest. Maybe let's rest, you know, take a, take a page out of Sarri's book, slow the tempo of the game, keep possession, rest with the ball, pick your moments to attack. It's still trying to play this, you know, this energizer bunny ball kind of brand of football where he wants everyone to run a million miles an hour all the time, every time. And it's it's really you know you look at look at Kante you look at Mount look at the dip in performance they've had this month compared to maybe you know a month ago two months ago, but he's not made any adjustments and that for me when we're talking about critiques that that has to be at the forefront is him not adapting to the players' fitness levels and, and how well they're they're being able to handle the instructions that he's asked them to do because there's such there's such a disconnect between what he wants them to do and what they're capable of at the moment but he and and maybe him and the coaching staff just haven't seemed to realise that they can't quite execute what what it is they're asking them to do. It is so poor. It's so yeah. poor. Tension. Um, oh man, I, I, I felt like the, just the balance of that game, I felt for large parts of it, Villa were pretty much dominant. Um, what, what were your thoughts and how do you feel like we, we I guess, handled the, 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 the pace of the game 
Because I, I just didn't feel like after the they scored, I didn't feel like we were ever going to score. But what, what were your thoughts on? Um, because obviously there was just so much for me that was bothersome. I think Lampard said that he got the reaction that he wanted. Obviously, not the result. But um, what, what are your thoughts on some of the things he said after the game and just generally? Yeah, um, I wasn't particularly happy with um, the performance. I thought it was uh, it was the team that was tired last game that um, got a bit more rest, but they 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 were still ultimately tired. Um, it's very rare you see an Angolo Kante being outran by uh, anyone, um, and John McGinn did an amazing job. Um, Andreas Christensen, what can you say? about a player who goes down like that in um, a position where you should be one of the most um, physically robust in in, in your team. And um, he stayed down for a long time. I don't know if it's because of sympathy or he was genuinely injured. Um, a, a little bit of me, a little part of me hoped that he would just stay down. Um, <laughs> he would just stay down because if, if he's going if, to, if, if you're going to go, if you're going to go for it to the extent that he did, you might as well come off because your team's conceded a goal as a result. Um, so there was that there was that instance, and then um, I'm going to go back to um, the attack because it made no sense to um, continue to put in crosses um, and then bring on Timo Werner, who um, obviously isn't the, he's not a target man at all. And then um, because we don't have these alternative uh, attacking patterns of play, uh, we just result to getting the ball out wide and just whipping in crosses and hoping for the best. So it just makes you think, um, where's the tactical diversity in, uh, where's the tactical diversity and why was there no additional change? Even if you felt uh, just to freshen some legs up, as you both said, there was just so many questions that arise from that game that um, just makes you, it, it, it does make you question the manager, even if you're um, the most ardent and loyal um, Lampard supporter. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. When I spit bars in a rave, when I go hard, last time, Yeah, Babs, I want to kind of want to hear from you um, <laughs> in regards to this because it's just, um, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. 
Yeah, it, it was it was quite it was quite worrying in terms of both halves because it was it was in the fact that in the first half we started off not well, but we we were at least able to like make the chance for Giroud to get his goal, and then after that it was like we had absolutely no interest in actually getting another goal after that, and you, you could see it in the fact that um, we we tried to create chances, but nobody was actually showing up for them. So the only chance we had were like the more of like the half chances. So whether it would be um. Pulisic um, picking off the ball of the defender and, and, and missing his chance or um, Giroud missing the chance and subsequently subsequently um, Pulisic's mission. And even then, like, after that, we didn't really do anything um, outside of that. And if you watched it, um, there was a chance that um, Aston Villa had where um, House House had it um, um, had it crossed into him and he missed. And you could see Aspilicueta lost his man there. And from yeah. there, that should have been an early worry. That should have been an early warning that, look, we have to actually be be um, awake here and actually um, try to limit Asavilla's chances. And not even, what, f- five minutes into the second half, the same cross comes in yeah. and everybody's everybody's jogging into the box, everybody's ball watching. And yeah, like, it, it's, 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 it feels like we're, we're going back to, it feels like deja vu. It feels like we're going back to last season in terms of like our actual like under-pitch under performances. It feels like I mean- a, a regression. Yeah, I, I I definitely feel like we've regressed somewhat. Definitely feel like we've regressed. It's um, it's just so messy for me. I, mm. We just have no real clear plan. Um, last season you could you can argue that you know, I think we had a a pretty decent offensive approach, you know, um, but it's just now I I I feel like sometimes it might be a little bit lazy in the yeah. sense that he leaves the attack to like just. Because he thinks it, there's quality there, they'll just do it themselves. They'll handle things themselves. And I, I just think it's too poor. I, I genuinely just think it's too, too poor. And I guess we can kind of go on to uh, well, what that really means um, for Frank Lampard and, and his overall job security. Because we're playing Man City this Sunday. I think he was hoping that it get postponed because of the COVID situation. But now it's on top for him. Um, we play Man City, man. Um, <laughs> It's it's looking a bit nasty. I can't lie, and just given that, who who does he play for Man City? Because we've got we've got a couple of days rest now. Um, but who do you play? I, I feel like I don't know if he knows what his best eleven is. I don't think he actually knows how he wants to attack a game. Um, it it's just so it's so poor. But I guess I can ask you guys. Um, what do you guys think? Um, our, our best eleven sh- would be. Obviously, I don't know if Ziyech is going to be back fit, um, but how how would you guys play it? Um, yeah, so we'll start off with Joe. It's tough one. I mean, I don't, don't even know who's fit at the moment. It's got to that point for me. Um, I think the I, I try and go with the usual back four. I'm, I'm assuming recent and Chilwell are going to be slightly fitter. Kova, uh, sorry, Zuma and Silva for me. Um, I'd like to just see him try, although I think they're, they're both pretty tired, just try to see Kante, um, Havertz and Mount in midfield and just see what it looks like with Callum on the left, Timo up front and uh, probably Pulisic on the right-hand side, just to see what that looks like. I'm not really expecting it to be this amazing thing. I think, you know, one of the big criticisms that, that I've, I've got of the team and sort of the way we play is unless we have, you know, the, the full complement of players starting um, and they're fully fit and, and everyone is absolutely wearing, you know, in, in, in complete kind of football fitness as well. But we don't really seem to have much of any kind of underlying structure to, to fall back on when, when things aren't going well. So 
I'd like to just see us try something a little bit different. I don't want to go there and, and massively defend. Um, you know, we, we've we've seen uh, games against City, certainly under Sari and, and Conte, where we've um, either gone super open or super defensive, and it's just been probably two of the worst performances we've had um, in in kind of recent memory. So I'd, I'd rather just go there and see, you know, if if we can go there and and attack them a bit, use try and use a little bit of pace on the counter. City will try and probably play a little bit higher than most teams against us. So Werner's pacing behind makes sense. Uh, Pudisic's pace makes sense. And then Callum being sort of more of the creator from his natural left-hand side. Um, and then go with that midfield three and just see what they have. But I'm beyond that, that starting 11. I mean, I'm not super uh, confident in terms of the, the the subs that we have at the moment, how fit everyone is, how everyone's playing. So I think it's going to be a pretty uh, pretty difficult game for us. So regardless of whether we go and play super defensive, if we go three at the back or whatever, um, I think it's it's going to be a tricky game. And as you say, yeah. the pressure is, is mounting at the moment. So I don't think Lampard can really afford to lose the game. So I, I'm not sure if he's going to go there and just try and completely negate them, which could be a three at the back scenario. Yeah. Um, Babs, how do you kind of approach the game if you're Frank Lampard? Um, I know you have probably different views entirely, but yeah, how do you approach the game? And what would your 11 be? Um I feel like we we would we should be able to go in the front foot against Man City. I think they've been quite weak this season. Um, I watched the game against Southampton and you can see there were chances there to be made in terms of getting goals. And I feel like if we go there on the front foot and we go to a positive approach, it can be very much done. Um, I feel like it's a game where we may we may want to trial dropping Mount because I feel like if we want to play Kai in that game, I feel like it's best for him to have either a Kova or Jorginho um, alongside him because that allows him to actually be the more progressive midfielder in terms of getting high up on the pitch. We saw it against um, we saw it against Crystal Palace, especially where um, Jorginho and, Ka- and Kante played in the double pivot. And it actually allowed Kai to get forward and um, actually make chances in and around the penalty area. I feel like if we also try and um, play um, a cow and Pulisic thing, uh, pl- um, Play, paying them to out wide, I think we have to make sure that um, Pulisic plays out left because, uh, as we've all seen, I, I don't think the right wing is is something that he he can do effectively. Unfortunately, don't, unfortunately. You find, don't you find that a bit strange? Because yeah, it, it is worrying play. because at Dortmund he, he played there. Yeah, yeah. he did he play there. Yeah, I think I, I think maybe he's become a bit too comfortable on the left. Yeah, I was gonna say I just feel like maybe the fact that you know. He feels like this that that spot in, in the team is his. It's and his, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I feel like maybe just the picture is just different for him on the right hand side, and mm. it just impacts his performance. You know, and I I, I don't think he particularly likes it. Whereas I feel like a, a Hudson Odoi doesn't really care what side because he feels like he he can hurt you either side. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because Pusic likes to come in field rather than dribble on the outside. So. Yeah, you're gonna get not gonna really get much from him on the right. So I, I get you. I got your side. Yeah. So and even then, and up top, I think I'd go with Giroud. Giroud. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why would that be? Considering that City play pretty high, um, and they're gonna have a lot of the ball. Don't you want to catch them in transition? I I feel like Giroud, for all the goals he scored for us. Mm. I don't think he really helps us much in the style Frank wants. And I do think that he's playing Giroud because obviously Giroud's been getting the goals and stuff. He wants to keep him. But I think it's because he knows at time he's not really up to it. And he's obviously got this Timo Werner project on the left-hand side. And I, 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 it'd be, for me, I'd be a bit concerned 
if um if Giroud started personally, despite the fact I think he probably deserves to because he's the most our most informed striker, I think you need to kind of tailor matches. Um, I mean, you need to tailor your team in accordance to the match and the setup of a match and the, the, I guess the flow of a match. And I I, I think um, for me, I don't know if Giroud would really make sense. But uh, Timson, how how would you approach the game and how how you how confident are you feeling about the game? And also, do you, do you think this might spell the end um, for Frank Lampard if he was to lose the game? No, losing against a team that probably in their development and um, overall quality as a team in terms of um, synergy, I don't think it's enough to um, really make Lampard get the sack. So that's how it is. In terms of how I would approach the game, um, I'd go two ways. The exact same formation as Joe, um, if we stuck with our usual 4-3-3. Um, but I would... Uh, I couldn't imagine Mason Mount not playing in a big game. And um, I take on what Bab said in terms of Jorginho or Akova adding control, but um, I feel like City are there to be got. And in terms of Kai thinking that he could press on, I think that's just instructions. I think that's in the changing rooms before the game, pre-match team talk, Kai, you are the most progressive forward. I need you getting forward. I think that should be more than enough to... um, transfer across what he needs to do in terms of um, getting forward and being that um, most advanced midfielder. Or you could go with the three at the back. Um, the attack, it's, it's, the, it's the front three where it gets a bit, where it gets a bit murky for me. Um, obviously, Christian Pulisic, um, his, his attacking output drops off massively when he goes to the right. And um, because it's literally, because he can't play on the right, um, Callum Hudson-Odoi is having to play on the right when he's the informed winger and um, they're both gunning for that left wing spot. But that said, um, I would I would have a long, hard look at playing Callum Hudson-Odoi on the left-hand side because um, Jao Cancelo is playing really, really well and we cannot afford a winger not tracking back and leaving um, Ben Shilwell with another two-on-one situation because Riyad Mahrez could be a handful. Um, it could even be Ferran Torres. And then to add um, the guile of Cancelo, who's in form as a attack-minded fullback, I think it'd be too much. And um, we already saw Pulisic um, at fault for the third goal in terms of um, not tracking his man for Saka's goal against Arsenal. So I'd have a look at that. The centre-forward position is a bit of a problem because I think Ruben Diaz, as good as he's been on the ball, I don't think he's been tested one-on-one. And I've I've watched him a little bit in the uh, Portuguese league. And um, a lot of people have liked him to Lindelof in terms of he could be very, he could be got at in one-on-one situations. So, uh, Tammy Abraham's probably our best bet in terms of beating a guy on the dribble as a striker. But then um, you never know the flow of the game. So we might want that focal point out ball. And Olivier Giroud's probably the best bet in terms of ret- ball retention, even though Tammy can do it. He's got he's not quite there yet. And then you've got Timo Werner. His expected goals um, this season are up there, are comparative with Harry Kane, except Harry Kane takes his chances. So it could come down to us fashioning chances in a very tight tactical game. And the person who's putting, who who makes, who puts themselves into those positions gets the reward. So from that, um, I'm very, very unsure as to what I would do going forward. So that's a debate that, that that's a decision that I'm kind of glad I don't have to make. Um, but one, I'm interested to see uh, Lampard's response and answer to. I agree. I agree. I definitely think that it's not um, 
it's not an easy selection because um, uh, you can make an argument for pretty much every every one of the strikers, really. Um, I think Tammy will probably give you the better balance between the two. Um, but I, ju- I personally just feel like the, the speed in which we can break on them with a Callum, with a, a, a Pulisic and with a Werner, that we can really do damage. Um, but that being said, regardless, because of the way our form is at the minute, um, you generally feel quite concerned either way. Um, it is it is quite worrying, and obviously there's there's murmurs um, at the minute in regards to Kai Havertz and Timo Werner being a little bit unsettled and not really happy with with Frank Lampard as a coach. And I I don't know if that's true, but I, I wouldn't really blame them per se because I I feel like. I feel like maybe the fact that he spoke to them personally, they would have assumed and thought that they kind of, he he would know um, what's best for them and know where they play and know how comfortable they'd be in certain areas. But it just seems as such that Frank may not actually have an idea or real really know what the best position is for these players. And they might be getting frustrated at that. And I, I, I don't really blame them. You know, I, I don't really blame them for feeling that he doesn't really know what's best um, for them and their, their position. So it, it's a bit of an interesting one. Obviously, that City game is is a it's a massive, massive game. Um, the league table is so congested right now, and any more losses, we could really I I wouldn't say get cut adrift, but Arsenal are six points behind us. Aston Villa are um, level on points with us, but they've got two games in hand. So it's not inconceivable that we can drop down to 10th or so. Um, and it, it, that doesn't look good on Frank. After spending £220 million, that would be a big, big problem. I think that would be a big problem for him. And I, I don't think he could, he could um, I guess, feel too aggrieved if he was to get the chop. Because if you spend that amount of money and you have... If you're churning out worse results and worse performances than last season, you know, and we don't have Kepa to blame at the minute. I think it's really, really poor. And I think it's almost like he he will have to come into question. I think any, I don't think any fan, whether you're a Frank Lampard fan or not, because I think everyone recognises that he was a, he's a legend at the club. Everyone recognises that, well, he's one of the best players to ever play for our club. We know that. But if you could separate the player from the manager, I don't think there's any arguments that, you know, he's not done a great job. I mean, last season he he did what he could and obviously got us into the top four, which is, which is great, a great achievement. Um, I do think that we probably could have got there um, a little bit easier if it weren't for a couple of the decisions that he made. But, um, this season hasn't been good enough. I think we're averaging the least amount of points in the Roman Abramovich era at 1.7 points a, a game, which is worse than um, Scolari, which is worse than um, AVB, who AVB, funny enough, was younger than Frank Lampard when he took over um, as Chelsea manager. So I think there's a lot to really be t- considered here. Um, it's, it's not really good enough, but... We just have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. And obviously, Thomas Schuchel is um, now free. Um, he's been relieved of his duties at Paris Saint-Germain. So obviously, that link will be there. There's, um, there's been a link with a couple of other um, managers. But we, I guess we just have to wait and see, see how it plans out. But yeah, right now, it's just not looking too great. Um, but that being said, I do want to wish you lot all uh, 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 a happy new year and a Merry Christmas. Um, 
And yeah, we'll see you guys on 2021. Um, really appreciate you boys for joining me, Joe, Babs, Timpson. And yeah, I'll see you guys um, in 2021. But yeah, hopefully <laughs> somehow, well, hopefully this, this weekend we get a result against City and all of the pressure will be relieved from Frank. But we'll see. But yeah, thanks guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.